I'm like sat on, on the side and he kind of crouches down, has a closer look at my toe and he looks up at me. He's just like, you've got insects living in your toe? And I was like, nah, like I didn't feel anything. Hello everyone, welcome to the Rooting Around podcast. A podcast where we normally talk about countries from around the world, but today we're not. I'm Kevin. I'm Mark. And I'm Sam. Yeah, yeah. Nailed so that this bit. Is, this is Mark, Mark Fox. This is Sam Stewart. We've, uh, we've heard from these guys in the past. Not the usual cast. Not the usual cast, thank God. Um, <laughs> a little more charisma today. Well, <laughs> that's just yourself. not going to be the case, is it? <laughs> so we've spoken about you in great depth. I'm not sure if we've possibly yeah. had you say anything or a message. No, from I haven't you. come up on any of the voice notes or anything you did. Right, I believe. Okay. Um, as much as I sent them out, they just didn't get picked for the finals. So it's all right one. being a reject. No yeah. problem. Yeah. And Sam made it. You qualified. I, was I named or was it an anonymous? I think it was anonymous. I think it was anonymous. Because I'm very ashamed of the story. Was it? Oh, let's um, not talk about it then. Yeah, let's keep, yeah. <laughs> we don't want people going back to previous episodes to catch up on it. It's a story I'd rather keep anonymous. Okay. Um, I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> no, you shouldn't have. So, Just match but I the have voice before. with this anonymous caller. Right, all three of you listening, go back, try and find the episode that we were talking about, Sam, and... No, don't mention it. It's not e- worth experiences. it. Experiences. So, Mark Fox, you're Hello. a photographer. You live in yes. South America, in Ecuador. Giving away all the deets, yeah. Giving away all the good deets. Uh, we go way back. All three of us go way back. Yeah, when right. was the first time that we, we met each other then? Was it 2009? 2009, 2009, it must have been, right? Uh, September or October. Yeah, which is 45 years ago now. It was a long time. <laughs> I know, right? Was Someone it 45? Someone out there will listen to that 45 years. Yeah. I might have to get Ed to do a calculation on that one. I'm not sure if it was 45, but it, that's a long time if it was. That's 12 whales. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, carry on. So, yeah, we went to university in Falmouth in, in Cornwall. And of the 45 people, there was maybe five people that still used the camera at the end of it. Yeah. And we've got 40% of that here. Mm. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you both both hold cameras still. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically I <clears throat> my, most of my work is photography now. Even though as I was graduating, it was more video working with ITV, and then now it's like I prefer camera work. I think. Mm. I think for me and Sam probably definitely agree. Like just having video work and going into a certain location, you just take it's a lot of gear, man. So as a photographer, I can just like take a backpack and then that's about it. Mm. But then obviously, I still do my video stuff as well, drone photography. You do, you do both, so you've got I do both. Gear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know what I'm saying, but that tends I just don't to be take. I think it's better to mix it up and do photography still. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's better. It's more fun as well. I guess it makes you look at look at things in a different way because you look at it from a video perspective and it's like oh, there's got to yeah. be a lot of movement and then there still is you're making a painting, I guess. Yeah, right. It's almost like well, both both go hand in hand, don't they? Like if you're a good photographer, you're going to be well, you you're more likely to be a better filmmaker. And then when you're a filmmaker, you just have to learn like the movements and how to actually keep this camera steady and stuff especially yeah. for wildlife like focus and everything else whereas a photographer you don't you just need to nail the focus like a few times yeah. you know what i mean so that that's a different kind of skill <clears throat> so that's one thing so our, our course was wildlife filmmaking photography the whole lot you've not really kept to the wildlife stuff it kind of took no. you to new places so how did you end up in south america well how did you end up doing your documentary photography Doing the documentary photography. Yeah, where, where did yeah. The, the flip from, I want to be a wildlife photographer to right, right. nature? Yeah. Because when we, when we were basically in the course, it was like through and through. We would sit and hide together, wouldn't we, Sam? And just like, just be there the whole time, just like studying an animal. You were Mr. Red Squirrel Man. Mr. Red Squirrel Man back in those days. We, we tried capturing kingfish and all that kind of stuff, local wildlife. But then, um, which I still love, but it was difficult to make a living out, living out of that. <laughs> like it's it's difficult. So I I when I once I graduated university, I went back to the Channel Islands where I live, which has its own closed bubble in itself, and managed to get. I then transferred all of those skills of wildlife into animals, so pets, and then just trying to do 
do that with that with pets dogs action photos trying to get a little bit of money here and there and then within that same year i then uh got an itv job so then i learned all things camera and but that was obviously that was nothing to do with wildlife or anything in the natural world it was just like telling stories like news-based stories quick turnaround uh learn everything from lighting to sound to camera work to ingesting to whatever live tv live events all of that kind of stuff i, I do think that was one thing that we lacked was the ability to tell stories yeah we never really we, we had never that really i don't know taught. what it's like these days yeah i mean it's a whole a whole nother beast now, it's a whole it? different thing so I, really that was the change there straight out of university is where i stopped making money from wildlife stuff and i just moved into working with itv so it was more out of necessity really than yeah more because i when i first went into photography the reason why i did the course was because i didn't want to photograph people i was like nah i don't want to do portraits fashion Literally. all of that it's like nah no chance prefer landscapes and wildlife but then realized there's no money in jersey especially in jersey anyway and then there's loads of money in jersey <laughs> no not in that not in, in oh no right i in lots of, I just meant there's lots of big houses as, as there's a lot of finance walls. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure but yeah no, do they no do moon mining there as well like Luxembourg <laughs> no they don't oh, okay. <laughs> sorry Egg um, <laughs> Ed sorry um, so what was the thing yeah so then I basically learned about pe people storytelling all that kind of stuff and then I had a chance when I left the the whole country and I went traveling through a year and then I kind of realized I could incorporate travel with my work and almost telling stories of where I am and then from there I realized okay just be more specific like conservation so I just grouped everything that I learned at university to ITV to then the travel world and then just made stories that I wanted to tell which now I'm just the Amazon rainforest yeah and specifically it's mainly ecuador i have done peru before i've been to bolivia but mainly ecuador is my base what made you settle in ecuador um well my my current girlfriend she's she's from ecuador so that was also an obvious choice to go to but ecuador is like in terms of work wise it's way smaller than colombia brazil peru that have amazon so for me to travel a lot of, like, how much time do you spend when you're just traveling to get to a place? It's a long. Oh, days and days and days. Yeah. So I chose a country that was small in itself, but still had pristine forest mm. and also a lot of culture in there. And do you so, find because it's a smaller country, your work has a bigger impact? Or is that not Not particularly, because the work is more outside. It goes to NGOs in the States right. and elsewhere, Europe. Um, but it's definitely easier to get into places for sure like i can leave from the coast go up through the andean mountains get to the amazon in a day whereas in peru you have to allow like a few days to get from lima and do the same trip it's like days mm. so um yeah so basically i just chose ecuador because of that and then from there it all sort of unfolded into telling stories but with people so it's still natural environment but it's just not wildlife anymore yeah. it's more people protecting the wildlife that makes, that makes sense. sense. Yeah, Bio yeah. corridors yeah. and indigenous people, how they preserve the rainforest, and that then blends into like the plant medicines they use and the general culture, how they survive, what they do for eating, like yeah, all the, everything. Those, people those plant wise. medicines is is something I want to get into a bit further down. Oh yeah, down the episode. Nice. Very intriguing. Nice. Um, and Sam, mm. you kind of stuck with the wildlife thing post university. Can you? walk us through the first few years and how you got into the industry yeah yeah um i will keep it as snappy as Just i can keep it brief yeah um shut up yeah cool we're gonna have to cut most of that out from what i've said we've lost most of the episode there so it's been good talking to you guys um i yeah i've always been tunnel vision focused on an end goal ever since i knew that this industry existed I knew that I wanted to become a cameraman on a BBC One Attenborough documentary. That's always been the goal. And I've been, I guess, quite fortunate to know that that's been my goal. Um, because it's allowed me to like make career moves aiming at that. So, long it's story short... North Star type yeah, of thing. exactly. And I have zigzagged all over the place on the way there, but I've always been focused on that as a goal. Um, and I actually was on Twitter one day, back in the day, and I was following a few people, one of which was a BBC producer, and I saw a tweet from him saying, we're making a wildlife documentary about the UK, does anyone have any ideas or stories? Get in touch. 
And so I did, and I got this round robin, like blanket email that he sent to everyone that replied, of which there must have been hundreds. And at the bottom of that email was his phone number, and I just remember calling him, and I was like, "You're not going to know who I am. Like I've done nothing. I don't have any experience, but I know that I want to do this. What can I do?" And he said, "Then he was like, 'Let's make it happen. Let's do it.'" And I think it was three days later I was doing my first assisting job. Nice.、Um, and I was just carrying boxes and carrying tripods and stuff. And then it's kind of gone from there, just assisting. Helping, doing anything I can, learning any skills possible, until eventually I was given a camera, asked to shoot a few time lapses and a few sequences, and I mean I was terrible in hindsight now, but I kept pushing, kept trying, kept applying skills, zigzagging my way towards that kind of goal, going from job to job. Eventually got my first abroad job, and I'm kind of sat there on the plane thinking, how the fuck is someone paying me money to travel、mm. and do this? Like, oh my god, it's happening. And then before long, I got an offer of Um, working on a shoot that I knew might be an Attenborough-related thing, and it's like, how is this happening? But it took years, years and years and years of constant progression and very small progression and lots of zigzagging, and yeah. So it's it's taken you to well, both of your jobs have taken you all over the world,、mm. which is yeah,、uh, I've been super, super lucky.、Mm. Um, let's let's get into the basic <clears throat> shit. Do、yeah. you know how many countries you've been to? Um, I think I'm on. Is it forty three? I could check on yeah, that.、Nice. I think it's、that's、something like forty three. Yeah, I've been、decent. back to the same places lots of times. Yeah.、Um, so lots of trips to East Africa, and I've done lots of repeated visits. But、mm. I think I'm on forty three. Right. Which every now and then I meet some tourists on some far flung place in the world, and they're like, "Yeah, I've been to one hundred ninety two countries." Yeah, like, yeah. How? I thought there was、left. only twelve. It's、yeah. like I. Like how there are people out there who have done、it's, so much. It's nuts, isn't it? Like I can't remember. I've always tried to like maybe count the places. Then you're like, well, is that a country? It's Jersey. It's Guernsey. No. But then also, what experience? <laughs> <Wales> . Definitely <laughs> Scotland.、Um. What experience have those people had? I wonder this often. Like, when you turn up in a country and you go there for two days and then you leave and you tick it off your list, like you haven't seen it. Where's、no. this? This I was chatting to producer about this yesterday. Where? What is the line? What are the things that you think you need to tick off in order to have it as a visited country? To have done it. To have done, yeah, completed it, mate. Yeah, and people are like,、oh, yeah, done、oh, Vietnam. To complete. What do you mean you've done Vietnam? Like, how you can't say that. Well, for example, if you had, we've got a scratchy map just up to、oh, the、yeah. top right there. It's a pretty even spread, and you can see that northern hemisphere Russia takes up most of the map. But I've only scribbled out like a small bit of it. The bits you've been to, yeah, I've done the same thing with mine. Because I feel I feel guilty almost scratching off an entire. Like I went to one national park、globe. in India, or two national parks in India, and like I can't scratch off the whole of India. I've scratched off two little sections. Yeah. And it in my mind、yeah. now I can see now I'm like there's so much out there. I kind of like so big man. Sometimes I feel like I've、that. I've travelled a fair bit, and then I look at my scratch map, and I'm like. Okay, the world is massive.、I've、yeah, nothing. I haven't even touched Africa yet. No, I've only it, done Morocco. But、yet. I know South America more than everywhere else, even Europe. Okay. Quick fire. Favorite? Why? Least favorite? Why? Country? Yeah. In the world? Yeah. That you've that you've visited. You can just you know, say a country that you don't like just because. As usual, you're being racist.、Uh, <laughs> um, let's go for favorite would be India. Okay. Yeah, it was. It shocked me, and that's why it was a quick fire. That's why I haven't said any others. And then the least favorite, Guernsey. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs>、um, yeah. My rival island.、Um, least favorite. Where did I? You'll have to come back to me on that one. I don't know. Well, okay. I'm not a very negative person, Kevin. So, not by that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Okay. Not. I'm not a very negative person. What? Yeah,、so、Should I say I am、way. a negative person? Yeah, that's quite a positive word. You just say I'm positive instead of、yeah. I'm. I'm not negative. Ah,、oh, okay. I like、You're、this therapy.、Negative. That's a good, <laughs> which makes a plus. How anyway, does that make you feel? Are we on. What? No, no, we're not going to therapy yet. <laughs> we're、uh, on a different stage of the podcast now. No, we, we'll, we'll get to therapy crying. towards the end. <laughs>、uh, Sam, favorite, least favorite.、Uh, favorite,、uh, the Galapagos Islands. That doesn't、um, count. That's not a country. 
Ecuador. Least favourite. I'm only saying that because I'm bitter that I've not been there. Yeah, uh, yeah go fuck yourself. Uh, uh, back to you, Mark. <laughs> well, that's, that's another thing, like scrapping, scratching off the map, Galapagos Islands, but even though it's Ecuador. Like, if you've only on been to Galapagos, map. then Ecuador is like foreign, you know? I've never been somewhere or I've never like encountered a place that is so meaningful in my life and yet most people in the world have no idea. Right. And it's weird. It's like yeah. Galapagos. Yeah, it's got like such a history. It's such an incredible place. There's so much there, and yet most people, if you mention it, it's like it's quite unknown. People are like where? And actually, yeah, and it's, it's been also... number one on my list since I was fourteen, fifteen. Mm. It's just expensive to get to, really, if you're considering like getting to Latin America in general is kind of expensive. On on par with like I don't know, going to Australia, for example. And then from there, once you're into Ecuador, a country that no one actually visits anyway, because everyone's going to the Machu Picchu, Peru. You've got to get up to Ecuador, and then from there, you've got to fly to the Galapagos. Mm, so right. it's like it's a thousand kilometers off it's, the coast. It's extra, yeah. It's it's just an extra thing of the budget. But then, and, did you did you fly? Because you can get boats there, right? Uh, Mainly flying. It, I, most, I haven't heard. I think ninety nine percent of the way people get there is is flying. Right. I think the boat. It's like container ships. Uh, yeah, it's not open to tourists. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can if it's like if you're sailing across the Pacific, people stop there. It's like a good supply stop. Um, but yeah, I don't think anyone. There are cruises actually. Yeah, there. there are cruises that will take you there. But in my mind, like a, f- it's not a ferry. You know what I mean? To yeah. get there. It's... But then least favorite. Going back to your original question, counter to Mark. Although India, the wildlife that I was filming there was absolutely extraordinary it's quite a difficult place to work for the job i was doing like the place is amazing and to go there on holiday or to travel it would be awesome but to work there mm. is, is a challenge so it, i definitely wouldn't say it's my least favorite country but it's definitely up there with one of the hardest places i've, I've tried to work that's a very mm. similar feeling i have with morocco i love it so much but uh, i the work in there was so tough mm. yes. and it just brings back like nightmares as i'm going to bed it's uh yeah, it's, it's a really tough one. So from my memory, like, of India, obviously because it's contrasting now, is that, like, if you, it's heavily polluted, right? It's, it is heavily polluted. And there's actually a story I remember. I was, like, doing the Taj Mahal photo, just personal work, just thought... Because I went over for original job to go up into the Himalayas. But, like, before all that, the preamble, if you like, I went to, like, see the, the sites. And I go in and I see someone on the map and I have a look and I'm like, well... Here's a photo here that I want to try and get, like, the silhouette of Taj Mahal as the sun is rising. But because it's so polluted there, it's just haze. Like, you've probably seen it in all the documentaries, just haze in all those areas. So then it it still looks kind of good because it's all just one shade of colour of sunset. So I was like, right, nice silhouette, picture to try and get the sun to come around and maybe even go directly above on one of the the points. Um, And as I'm there waiting and it's stinking, like terribly because first of all like to get there i it wasn't a normal place to go but i knew there was a good shot with the river and good angle so i got went there anyway was like, you sure? the taxi driver was like you sure you want to go there um and i was like yeah yeah just through here start walking and it's like walking through sewage basically it, it was meant to be a riverbed but it's heavily polluted once i get there set up the shot it's ready and a guy just walks into frame and then i'm like oh this looks kind of cool get got the angle of like a little man and then big silhouette Taj Mahal and then he just drops his trousers no way even better and he's just sat there squatting and I'm like this is India well it's not Tip but down, you know what I mean I was like what is this I'm like trying to see like a beauty and then the guy's just having a shit mm. um so how long did you did you keep looking well I had to wait for him to be done because to actually get the shot again so I don't just wait so for your shot's got his poo in it I, I think I took a couple I don't know where they are and I never obviously published them anywhere, but I thought it was kind of funny. Wow. To see like beautiful scenery and a guy like walking like through and dropping his. Turd in the like silhouette as well. You can't oh, see really? it. Oh, really? Like backlit? Yeah. Oh, backlit. yeah. You might actually be able to see, you know. Yeah. Anonymous. Every poo has a silver lining. Anonymous poo. Yeah, exactly. So if anyone's looking for any sort of publishing, then mm. I could dig it out. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you guys have got far too many stories to. Yeah. Even scratch the surface on, so we're probably going to have to get you both back on separately. But do you, now that you've travelled so much for work, how does it feel... We'll, we'll go to Sam first. How does it feel to travel just for travelling's sake? Mm. For a <laughs> holiday? Is it less enjoyable and less exciting now? Because you feel like you've kind of seen a lot of it? 
Uh, yes and no. I think one thing I love is being able to travel with nothing but a backpack. So I've done that a few times recently where I'm able to just not have any kit. Like on, on a lot of the shoots that I do, we might be taking like anywhere between 30 and 60 cases of gear. So you can imagine it's just, it's not traveling when you've, yeah. got, when you've got 100%. 10 trolleys worth of gear. I mean, so when you go on, on your own or you go backpacking or you go with friends, you can take a backpack and go and you can get on that bus and you can travel and it's the most liberating feeling. And it's, so I love that. And I love going to places and I, I love not having the pressure of, of filming and trying to get the shots because it's a huge mental You stress. don't have a production schedule. Yeah. You're like, yeah. And you're like, I can actually appreciate this place and it doesn't matter if I just watch what's happening and enjoy it and it's awesome. So like, it, might, it must even be more liberating because you're so used to being away but being confined. Working. Yeah. Being and confined to you have... You know, you need to be in the room and you need to download this and this and that. Yeah, and you need to make sure those batteries are charged and you need to make sure that that memory card's been offloaded properly and you need to make sure that your lens is clean and this is ready. Get enough rest for the next day. So, like, when you're just like, cool, I've got my passport, I've got my pants, and we're going to (laughs) go. It is such a great feeling. And what what was, uh, where did you go last time that you went just for a holiday uh, last trip I did I went to Costa Rica on by myself mm. um, by yourself by myself nice Badass. took took a backpack went to Costa Rica for mm, three weeks just by myself um, which yeah was an incredible trip for a number of reasons but yeah awesome just going with a backpack is my favourite thing to do would you be willing to talk about any of those reasons yeah 100% um, yeah I'd love to hear it I went to I actually went to go and do a magic mushroom retreat, a psilocybin oh, wow. retreat. Sick. Um, so here he is, Mark's <clears throat> lubing himself up. Yeah, he's so <laughs> excited. The plant medicine. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, I, I knew I wanted to do it. Costa Costa Rica really appealed, and I found a really cool retreat center that just like looked amazing. And it's something I've been interested in for a little while, not like a super long time. But the more I got down that rabbit hole of researching it, the more it appealed, the more it appealed. And before long, you feel like you're almost being called to go and experience it. And yeah, long story short, it was an amazing trip. In the rainforest? In the rainforest, in mm. the cloud forest. So this nice. retreat center is like buried in the cloud forest. All the buildings have like the trees grow in them and back out through the walls. So like all the buildings are surrounded by the forest. Like you're in Sounds it. epic. And, and it was it's not a recreational type of thing is it no and it, it's so far from a recreational thing and now i've experienced it and i know how powerful it is i'm like mother nature is so powerful that it should not be a recreational thing like it's, it's a whole different technology it's, man <laughs> it's nuts it's like the most advanced thing and now i've done it and i've experienced it and i've had a little view into that world now I'm, i've been doing more research and i'm like okay that, like we are literally every day we're walking around on something that's so fucking powerful and intelligent and it terrifies me that there's people out there just fucking around with it i mean this is like a how old's the earth now like how old's life how old are mushrooms like, they've been here so many like i don't know millions of years and people are fucking with it and i'm like it's terrifying but yeah. on the other hand if you know how to harness it it's insane and it's the coolest thing ever i think that's the beauty of it is just being able to manage the space and which is why you, it's best to have a shaman there negating that space for you as you take the medicine because it's not like one of those things where like you say recreational where you're just taking it just for fun or to feel good it's like work man it's like you so gotta go it's weird because like since the legalization of weed in the states from all the podcasts i'm watching and things like that it seems like everyone is on mushrooms really? all the time like but a microdose is, or something no, no, you see, like, people on podcasts would be like, whoa, I had mushrooms before I went and did stand-up. Oh, it just seems right. like more it, open. It seems like it's far more of a recreational thing over there. Mm. Like, Mike Tyson went on to fucking Logan Paul's podcast, did mushrooms and played with a pigeon. Like, it just seems so common for that. Did, it, did you see it? Is it, it you're any... having a beer kind of thing? Yeah. Did right. you see any of that at your retreats where there was any... No. Because... Just a quick segue to Mark. You and the plant medicine that you were talking about earlier, you've you've had experience with ayahuasca and ayahuasca retreats. And yeah. I know you photographed them, but you 
you experience them as well, right? Yeah, so I, so with the ayahuasca, it's a very sacred space. So I never photograph, you photograph up to a certain point. And the point is when you get given over the medicine and then it's like cameras off. So then, so I was able to get that point And then from there, it's kind of not working anymore. Just let them do their thing. And everyone around the rooms do it, having their own journey. Uh, so I did that for a fair, fair few times. And then, like you say, it's not a thing that you just go and do. You have to get this feeling to feel like you want, like it's calling you. Um, and then eventually that happened. So I've managed to do it a couple of times. Um, but not in, not only like plant medicine, the way we think about it, if we trip, trip. You know, it's like there's also like ceremony, cer ceremonial plants that they'll have like a guayusa, which is just a tea leaf, basically. It's just a big leaf. You boil it and then you wake up at three, four in the morning. And then that is like a space for people to then. So, for example, in the jungle, if you're you've got your girlfriend and you want to marry that girl, um, then you want to consult like the, the father or the family in that space of the ceremony at two and three in the morning before sunrise is when you have it over guayusa. Mm. So it's not particularly like. Yeah, there's a lot of plant medicines out there that are all like ceremonial, but it's not particularly the same thing where you just kind of sit and you trip, you know? There's only like ayahuasca is a very powerful and very common one in, in the jungle. But like you say, it's just more if you've got work that you need to do, mental illnesses or mental health or something's not right and you want more clarity in your life, like all of that kind of stuff is how they get through the world. Mm. And just like we would with a therapist, for example, their therapy is basically um, the plant, which yeah. is nuts. You both have done mental therapy. Yeah. Have you ever had any particular incidents or med that need medical therapy while you're away? Because you, I'm, there's there's one thing that I probably like. You told me afterwards I really shouldn't have done. You had a porcupine quill, mm. and I was like, I wonder how sharp that is. And it literally went all the way through my finger. Oh my god! Was, no, it just went really deep, and I just touched it like that. It was like a knife wow. in a hot knife in butter. Yeah. They are super sharp. Yeah. Did you get any kind of infection from no, it? No, no. You said afterwards. Uh, well, you should keep that clean. Yeah, and like little things like acacia thorns, like from the tree. Like once I got pricked by one of them, and like my index finger was like throbbing for like six weeks afterwards. They've got some sort of crazy bacteria on them, mm. and you're like, that's from a little thorn. Like they're so good at not being eaten by giraffe. Yeah. Yeah. No. For me. You talk about like a physical thing that's happened to you. Yeah. Like you injury, injury, and you had to be like treated or something. Yeah, or just uh, yeah, any yeah. injuries or bad like stomach situations. Yeah, so I've got one. You got sick. A few stomach incidents. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've normally actually been kind of good, to be fair, uh, considering um, I've got pretty good on like various things that I've done, where I haven't got injured too badly if mm -hmm. that makes sense so but there's been one occasion that just instantly springs to mind is like when i had a kind of a cut on a previous shoot um i had a cut on my toe just on my pinky toe and it was just like a really like no pain there just a random cut right and then i then go on another shoot where i'm in the jungle and we got like the indigenous people with us and they're kind of helping because it was a tourist job that i was doing so we're with a group um having a retreat kind of like that and they came in and they have they have this sap that they take from a tree which is like a red sap i don't know if you've heard of it before it's like a red sap and it's called sang sangre del dragon so it's dragon's blood is what they call and they just kind of put slit in the tree and then it fills out and they use that to put on any cuts which is insane so if you have like a to stop infection because being in the rainforest like you said is like super infectious with bacteria and all sorts so if you put this on it will kind of like scar you up and heal you so this guy comes around he's like does anyone have any cuts they would like to put this on and i was like well go on then i'll just put on my little pinky here here it is and he like i'm like sat on on the side and he kind of crouches down has a closer look at my toe and he looks up at me he's just like you've got insects living in your toe and i was like nah like i didn't feel anything i was like you serious like yeah 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 i've got to go get them out so then they disappear they go into the jungle and those spines you're talking about, there's trees that just have like this thick of spines. And um, he just like plucks one off, like disinfects it with some like alcohol rubble spray or something and starts like picking away at my toe to get them out. Did he specify it's... what insects they were? <laughs> he didn't. So Dan in the podcast earlier said he wanted to get bitten by a bot fly. Oh, no. Um, which no, is no, just no. nuts. Have so... you had one? No, but I've, I've um, 
I've squeezed something very similar out of a colleague's back. Oh, which right. was it's up there with one of my favourite ever moments on the planet, actually. Which is a big, really? big statement. That's your fetish. It was unreal. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that. Oh, let's let's hear about Mark. <laughs> he really bugs. wants to sell yeah. that one. No, no, it's just come to me. No, I'm here for the something about insects living in the body. Really excites me. I'm oh, here mate, for it. it was. Uh, I just did not know. They were just kind of squatting in my toe there. But, How long um, do you think you'd had it for? I don't know. Like the cut was there for probably a couple of weeks and at that point because I'd gone back because I lived in the Andes so I went back to the mountains and kind of nothing was healing up so I don't know where I got it from or anything but I just knew the moment that he saw that there were insects in there just from like a random little cut he just knew um, but so Dan said that he wants to get bitten by a botfly but for me it's not it wasn't a botfly but it was similar like you were saying so for me he then got the spine out the tree and then off the, the bark of the tree starts picking away opening up the my toe basically it was pretty horrific but i had no feeling there because obviously they chew away and it's like a numbing agent they put in your skin so you just don't feel it which is nuts so i had no pain there whatsoever as he's like doing it all and you're solid like, yeah obviously yeah. i didn't want to mention that but yeah yeah i mean it goes without saying thanks mate so um and then he's like cleaning up he's like breaking the little boat they're like little like grubs if you can imagine like that kind of texture where if you spine it it kind of breaks in half so he made a real mess of it and basically then he looks deeper and he's like oh we gotta have to properly clean this out because if you have eggs in there now so because he said once those eggs hatch they'll then move from toe to toe to toe to, fit in, to go into a new house basically so i had to get all the eggs out into and all of the, the family that were already inside my toe moving in next door it was it was pretty horrific <laughs> terrace house but they lovely. sorted me out and gave me yeah literally was yeah just send me the tap yeah <laughs> I love so, that. great thanks for that so then they like picked it all out and put this uh the red sap that i said healed me up it was great oh yeah a couple of days that's a whole lot of mystery stuff in and going in and out of your foot there yeah just yeah. red sap. Just gonna shove yeah. that in there. Oh, this no, guy's I, gonna I heard get about this. What did you call it? Dragon's blood. Dragon's blood in Love Spanish. That. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. It's the best thing you can have if you have cuts. Any sort of infections will sort you out. Mother Nature's powerful as a motherfucker. Powerful. So wound on your friend's back and inside bugs. Yeah. So tell I, us, I tell won't us name any names more. just to keep things anonymous. Not yeah, a little bit awkward. But we know it's um, a he. We were on a shoot in Zambia, and. He had a little pain in his back, and one day he like lifted up his shirt. We're in a hide together, and he's like, "Can you just have a look at my back? Like, look what's going on." And I look, and I just see what looks like a really big spot, but nothing bad. And I looked, and I was but like, "Like an internal, or was it outside?" No, it's like sticking out a little spot. bit. And I was like, right. I'd love to pop that. <laughs> That's your fetish, right? A little bit. Okay. Um, but I didn't. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to leave it. I think it's a horse flyby. So I was like, cool, fine. Next day, he's like, this thing is really sore. Like, he's like, really painful. Every time I sit on the chair, it's sore. And I have another look, and I'm like, whoa, it's getting worse. Anyway, he still was like, no, no, no. And then, <laughs> I think it was two days later, he's like, this thing is so bad. And we look, and we're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, so um, me and another colleague of mine were like, we have to go at this. So we got two cotton swabs. And we like covered them in like an iodine disinfectant thing and we like squeezing it and it's like just about to go and then suddenly this thing pops and like an actual maggot comes oh, man. out. Like an actual living thing going like this. Really? Comes out of his back and leaves this like tube in. And we're like Tube. Like a like an empty tunnel. Right, into right. his back. It's unreal. We're like, what the hell? Turns out it's a mango fly. And what they do is they lay eggs into wet laundry that you're hanging up outside. Then the maggot, I think the way it works is the maggot hatches in the wet laundry. Then when you put your t-shirt back on, they tunnel into you when they're tiny. I think that's how it works. So then they grow inside you. And I guess they must have like a bit of a numbing agent. And then at some point they're going to come out of you. But yeah. I'd almost be disappointed it's if you're mental. going to pop a massive spot like that. You're going to be like, this is going to be a gruesome mess. It was it's a gruesome mess. Incredible. And then it's out. Like, but then you do it and then something's just like, ah, and then but runs away. I just, it's insane that nature's found a way and that's how that animal thrives. That's That animal's entire world at that stage of its life is living inside another mammal. It's mental. But yeah. the par par like well, they're parasites. Parasites they? fucking run the world, man. 
It's just so many talking of them. to Dan about parasites was fascinating. Yeah, parasitic wasps. I think I showed you the picture Changed of the minds. caterpillar out there, right? Right. Uh, no. So we had. I've told this story before, but uh, I'll keep it brief. Had a caterpillar, a bunch of caterpillars in the garden. They were eating all of our veg. One of them climbed up, like very openly, big white wall, really like blue and green, like really vivid. Mm. Clearly, not good behavior for a very brightly colored animal to be on a plain white wall yeah and it just stopped and kind of shriveled up a little bit and then started like laying eggs and loads of silk underneath it wow and then it like any time you would go near it, it would like flick up and like defend itself like a like a guard dog almost and it would like scare you and then it fell off the wall and died, or got eaten by a bird, one of the two. Huh. And then the eggs that it was laying silk over started hatching, and they were small wasps that came out. Wow. And so, you saw that all unfolding? Yeah. Like, just here? Literally on the other side of that wow, wall, just there. That, yeah, it's nuts. The, the nature, like, the wildlife stories that happen everywhere. Mm. Like, that's I'm, I'm, incredible. I'm, I'm, like, as you were saying, it's so powerful, and it's like... It's, it's right here. There. It's right here. But the shit we've, like... We've had a sparrowhawk come in and annihilate a pigeon and just yeah. chase it around, like just annihilating it. And then it's got like, little insect safaris out there and you get the shield bugs banging. And yeah, it's a classic thing where people are like, you don't have to travel around the world to see amazing stuff. And it is yeah. 100% true. Like For you sure. see some insane things. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Have you have you heard about the Asian hornets? We we saw a massive wasp, should we say, or bee out there, and we didn't really know what it, it was. Like it was like that big. It's massive. Just earlier. It's just like one of those fishing stories where you like it was like. This big. <laughs> yeah. How yeah, big was this even, hornet? Even, like, even that's what it's made. like in the jungle. Two you ask them wide. how big is a boa constrictor they've seen, and they're like twenty meters. Yeah. This hornet came in, delivered our Amazon package. Yeah. Knocked on the window and was like, "These bloody drones, eh?" These drones. Yeah. <laughs> Coming over here. Yeah. <laughs> you say Asian hornets. Asian hornets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, stop. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. We, we should move on. Should not continue anymore. So, there was no... Uh, so, you've not had any major moments of your own that you can recall, but have you been sick? Oh. Like... Oh. Oh, yes. Yeah, food poisoning or soiling yourself. Yeah, all of the above, <laughs> I'd say, at this stage. Um, Have you ever had the double yeah. ender? Oh, yes. Um, really? There was a moment... Oh, yeah, I don't know why I'm talking about this. But yeah. I'm here now. You're in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Safe, safe place, space, mate. Yeah. I mean, there's been a few times. Uh, going back to India, I, I mean, there was a classic kind of... There's a bit of a rumour about India that when you go, you get ill. Delhi belly. Yeah. And I went, and I, I think I, I did like three weeks, and I was like, no, I'm coasting. I feel great. Everything's fine. And then out of nowhere, it strikes. And it comes out of nowhere. And, you know, mo if you were there on holiday, you'd probably be in a resort or in a restaurant or not far from a restaurant or, you know, somewhere close to a, a, a toilet. I'm in a metal pickup truck in the middle of a national park, at least an hour and a half away from any kind of safety at this point. Amenities. And, and I, um, I go from naught to sixty. It? <laughs> it's like Epicac. Yeah, just having a normal. <laughs> and there's this moment where I've got a camera in front of me, and you know you're being paid to be there. You've got a responsibility to capture certain behaviour. And then there was this overwhelming desire to find a toilet immediately or else, right? 
and you're in a <laughs> yeah. tiger's out of the bush. You can't get out of the car. It's not like you can go behind that bush because oh. there is a tiger there. And you're right. like, what do I do now? I'm just coming up with so many scenarios like, in my head. What do you do? <laughs> Because you, you can't, it's not like you're not in an enclosed car. It's horrific, man. You can't, it's terrible. You can't go behind the back seat and do, like you're in an open car surrounded by other tourists. That's like, what happens. So, and to make matters worse, you're like, yeah, you're so far away and you're like, we have to just drive back right now. And India has a particular way with my body now where it, it's bad. It's very was, do you know what it was that you ate? No. That made you sick? No. No for, idea. For do me... Do you think... Uh, oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, so I don't want to talk too much about shits or shitting yourself, yeah, but, but, but that's I, the question. Um, there was one where I was a uh, first trip into the Amazon, actually, 2017, when I went into the Ashaninka in Peru. Um, so I'd done an experience in there. I wasn't working, just for fun. It helped building a house and stuff. And then time was to get out so we kind of like walk out of the little community walk onto the road and try and hitchhike to get out because we you like because the way the Am- amazon and andes is situated it's like it's basically one thing but changing ecosystems as you move through so in theory apart from if you're coming from brazil's side of course but in peru colombia and ecuador you're gonna be crossing the mountains to get into the rainforest so it's a long drive right so we then try and find a place that's going to drop us off and standing on the side of the road. It starts to rain. I'm like, great, thanks. Haven't had any breakfast, but the, the, the woman in the, the place that I was staying at, she, she gave me some cacao, chocolate, hot chocolate in the morning. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I love that. Happy days. But then as we catch on the place, we finally find like a pickup truck that will take us. Um, get on. And he's like, yeah, you just get some slabs of wood. It's like kind of like one of those. Yeah, like a pickup truck, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the back. Um, and he puts slabs of uh, wood over the top for us to sit down. But without us realising, there's two fucking cows in, in the back already. Excellent. Massive, like with horns and stuff. So, oh, great, this is perfect. Animal issues here, animal rights issues here. And then, um, so he just basically puts a plank of wood over the top of them and gets us to sit down. So I'm trying to find a speed with feet with, like, place, find a place to put my feet. And, um, and then we start driving. It was like a five-hour journey. Um, and as that's happening, we, we then stopped for lunch and then there was like bad weather. Was, the night before was like electric storm, like proper thundery and everything. It was awesome. But then it, that meant that the, a lot of the trees were down and covering the path, which is just a, like a basically mud path anyway. And then over time, that path just like gets a lot of rain on it and just falls, falls through. Mm. So I, I then start walking down and it's like this guy's stopped to have lunch. And I'm like, we've only been going now. Anyway, um, but I'm also needing a shit. I'm like, I really need to go. I can't really, I don't want to do here. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's just road and mountain this side and then river this side. And I'm just going on the road alongside the river and there's nowhere. It's like, fuck, I need to find somewhere. Managed to find an ad- adequate spot outside of eyes. Um, and then it was just an issue the whole time. And on top of that, we had to like cross like uh the roadway had been washed away and we had to climb up the cliffs to go around it was like if there was a place in my life that there's it's only happened a couple of times where i thought i was actually gonna die that was one of them where i thought me scaling this surrounded by your own shit just can't get away no not the poo story but that like so maybe i didn't explain it properly the road washed away realizing your yeah life-threatening i was like this is horrific like i'm like we're talking about poos and now you're saying about dying and yeah it doesn't really work doesn't it because it's such a good feeling anyway (laughs) no if there was a a time i was going to die that was definitely a moment just like trying to scale up like a wet cliff muddy cliff to get around the other side because the road was like 20 meters gone you can only yeah, see the other side. Yeah, it happens quite easily over that way, doesn't it? Yeah, that's for sure, man. So, you getting sick. I mean, do you think, because you two are, are very much vegans, <laughs> um, do you think that has aided you or hindered you with travelling? I know you go to certain places and it's impossible, almost impossible to get vegan food. Has that been good because then the food you get is normally all right or is it just awful how how is being a vegan internationally is what i wanted to ask yeah um i would say like i've been vegan probably uh five years maybe something like that um i would say it's a lot 
I found it personally a lot easier than I thought it would be. And I've been everywhere in that time because we're lucky. A lot of the world's simplest foods, a lot of the cheapest foods, a lot of foods that are most readily available everywhere are vegan. Rice, beef, potatoes, vegetables, fruit, bread. And very cheap. Food you can find everywhere. Uh, For some reason, it should be easy and it's not. Like, there are times I've just been on a shoot in Texas and it was an absolute clusterfuck to try and be a vegan. To be in the States, Barbecue sauce Texas. is vegan. Yeah. But not the meat I don't know why you're complaining. I don't know why he's complaining. Barbecue sauce is great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, in theory, may, means that food should be pretty clean, pretty safe, pretty good to eat. Um, and most of the time it is. Although, like I said, there are exceptions. India or, you know, some of the kitchens that might be used or whatever. And... When it strikes, it's bad. Well, I've been quite lucky. I'm guessing you get, like, with the projects that you go on, you get supplied, like, a chef or someone to cook. Sometimes, like not yeah. always. Um, yeah, sometimes we have, and, you know, it's great when we do because, like, vegan food levels up. Um, on one of the shoots I've just been on, we were in, in Texas, and, like, we didn't have a chef, but we did have a supermarket. So you're kind of like, trying to freestyle your own vegan way and it definitely at that point you sacrifice a bit of 100 quality and after like a month you're like okay i need to eat something decent now yeah and that's where you might get ill or that's where veganism gets a bad rep because you do eat like shit when you're you know it's not optimal by any means and how have you found it's been received by local people because in particular in russia if you say you're vegan they're Mm. like yeah well i would say i haven't been to a single culture or a single place yet where there hasn't been that reaction right everyone reacts in that way everyone is like what like that's not normal um i would say weirdly the uk is probably the best place to be accepted oh like the the uk is so good at being vegan yeah. So if anyone, I'm sorry, but if anyone's complaining about like how hard it is to be vegan in the UK, it's just like sort your life out. You just have to research like where to go. That, this is the problem with being a vegan is that you need just need to research before, and some people find that more difficult than others. Do you find it difficult in South America? Yeah. So for me, in because Sam, you would go away for a few months to do a trip, whereas mm. for me, because I'm already based in Ecuador my trips can span like a couple of weeks or even just a weekend depending on the job so it's very easy for me to kind of go into a place go into the jungle and then accept that i'm not going to have amazing food Mm. some places i'm like pleasantly surprised where they've had like chefs gone in and teach them how to do it because they're getting in tourists and they're trying to you know get the night because so in the jungle the typical foods Ed's going to love this. The typical foods that you would have is going to be like plantain, uh, yucca. Um, what else? My stomach dried up when you said yucca just then. Yeah, well, you don't yeah. like it or you do? I, you I like about the it, drink. but it's just, no, that on repeat for like two weeks. Oh. Is just, yeah, so I, I it just sort it just like properly goes through and it's bland as well because they don't have spices mm. unless there's someone else that's gone and te- taught them how to his chili plant here's like use this use that it's just kind of like just boiled right it's just like peeled boiled and then they put it into like some sort of stew with like an animal in it it could be like a monkey stew a caiman stew a fish it could be whatever any animal but that's typically the meal you would have mm. and then if you're in a community that isn't so far away and they have access to other like cities whatever then they'll buy like a big bag of rice and then they'll have rice with it as well and then put you know and that's kind of your typical thing but it's all very bland and obviously if i'm if i'm vegan i'm not eating the stew which is how everything's made so then they'll make me like in other other things where they have uh hearts of palm Mm. yeah which is is amazing is is that a part of you that i I know it's being vegan there's it's a, a noble thing in general but is there part of you when you go to these places, for example, and they have never dealt with a vegan or a vegetarian. And it's like, no, no, I, you've made this big dish, but I want something else. Mm. Is there a part of you that, how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, for sure. There's like, um, there's that thing where you feel rude, right? Mm. If you don't accept someone's food in the community, you're being rude. Like, 100%. So what I tend to do with the community, so the way to go into the Amazon, how we work is... Um, 
we speak to like the president of the community who's just a person that's elected to take control of the territory um so the boss basically and he you would speak to them and then i would just clear up everything so is it all right to take photos in the area do film work here and i'm clearing up all of this as i'm meeting the person mm -hmm. so then then i'll be like okay well actually just so you know for for meal plans i don't eat any meat all i'll eat is vegetables i have bought the, these lentils here which i have as a backup i have bought with me avocado blah blah, blah. like other bits to keep me going nuts and all of that kind of stuff um but the, it's but more the, the rudeness, tradition of it yeah is yeah there... so because i've then con spoken to the president who passes it on to the normally the wife or the other the woman that's making the food it just gets behind the scenes it's allowed so it's not like this thing where i get presented a dish and then suddenly I'm like oh no i can't take this in front of everybody which is rude it's more behind the scenes like okay i know this is going to happen so i'll just try and do it so they're yeah. aware and then just serve me up something that's not but also at the same time you have like on a table they put all these like big kind of like banana leaves on the table um and that's your plate so they just put like yucca plantain fish palmito and which is the hot palm and like all of these different things you need to kind of pick the one you want like a banquet banquet which is okay and then you have your own bowl which is the, the stew which yeah. you then put in but i just don't get that bowl and i go for all the other stuff it's obviously not the most amazing thing because i am losing protein but also at the same time i'm not I'm not in there for a couple of months. I just make sure because my, for me, like it's just so strong with my morals and my line of work to help the environment. I can't just do it. I can't like do it. If I can't like kill animals that I'm trying to protect, regardless if I'm there and they do it to live, which is totally fine. That's a different argument. Yeah. But for me as an outsider going in, there's no excuse for me to, to change my diet. So I just kind of put up with it until I'm, I'm back in my own comforts and make yeah. my own amazing food again <laughs> I mean, so good made some wonderful dinner last night and uh, same for you sam i'm guessing like you've ended up hanging out at the Maasai, and you know there, there'd be certain not necessarily rituals but certain traditions that they would do where it'd be like no this is what you have to do if you want to yeah be here with us for sure uh there's been things in the past before i was vegan that now i would struggle to get through without eating meat I've been at weird, you know, obscure positions where we were handed like a whole leg of beef and fed it and it's like I've eaten it in the past. And I think, yeah, it's a difficult one. I don't know how I'll get through that. It's very easy, actually. If you don't want to eat it morally, it's quite easy to just be like, oh, I'm allergic to meat. And they'll very quickly just, you know, they won't, you won't offend someone like yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. At some point for sure it's going to come up and I will be in a position where I have to. I've been offered walrus blubber in in northern alaska in the past and you know there's loads of times where it's always gonna be, it's going to be tricky and i'll just deal with it when it happens yeah. but i have zero interest in ever uh you know eating meat that i've that i know is meat like, i don't want to voluntarily eat meat again and i'll I'll cross that bridge. It'll happen at some point. I'll be yeah. good. Well, so no, of course. It, it's bound to happen. It's so and you're not to, right? It's the most common thing in the yeah. world to do. Everyone, every culture, food. We're all every culture it. uses animals in every single way they possibly can. And to avoid that somehow is very, very difficult. And I yeah. don't understand why it's difficult. Yeah. Honestly, as I know I'm drinking now, but I don't, I don't drink very much at all. And when I go to events and I'm like, oh, no, I don't drink. But again, particularly in Russia, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with yeah. you? How do you survive on this planet? Yeah. And, and same in Ireland. It's like, <clears throat> you don't want a whiskey. What's wrong? It's like a, well, it's considered a cultural thing, isn't yeah. it? To eat, yeah. to drink certain things, to eat certain things. And yes. So culturally, are there any particularly cultural experiences like one of those situations where, you know, you get handed an entire leg of beef or mm. you get given the eye from the fish that you know yeah i mean from a certain tribe are there any moments like that that particularly stand out i can think of one trip that comes to mind immediately which was actually it was extraordinary to witness but i was with i was in tanzania um not far from Rawaha national park which is a, it's an extraordinary place and i was with some some maasai and they i can't remember exactly how it unfolded but kind of before i knew it they had a goat that was, you know, they were leading a goat around. And, you know, the poor thing, I do feel for it now. But they basically hung it very quickly in a tree. And then they 
they killed this goat and then they were going to eat it. And they don't just eat it. The ritual and the process around consuming it is amazing. They basically would, they, they butchered it with like one tiny little knife that one of the guys had. And then they exposed the kind of rib cage and then they released the blood vessel into it and they all drink the blood. Drinking blood is such a massive part of their culture. And I was just stood there watching and photographing the whole thing. And it is, it's amazing to see them to do that, like to watch them do that. And then they, they made a fire, you know, by literally rubbing two bits of stick together, a harder one and a softer one. They rubbed them together in a certain way. And it had been raining, so everything Which is nuts in itself. It's amazing. <laughs> they taught me how to do it in the end. You taught oh. me how to do it when yeah. you came back. Yeah, so I learned how to do that. I lit a cigarette with it. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> that was always like a bucket list stick. That's like, pretty sick. To that's learn pretty how to make a cigarette fire. with your own fire. Yeah, that's Don't. epic. I'm stood there watching these guys, uh, you know, sacrifice a goat and eat it. And sounds hot. It was kind of crazy. You know, you're there just like, wow, this is so far from the way that people eat meat in the UK. And they it's extraordinary. The fact that you've been watching all day, for example, a crocodile tear apart a wildebeest, mm. drown it, it floats to the top again, drowns mm. it again, mm -hmm. pulls its head off. How do you separate the two from seeing something like that and then someone's like, oh, we're going to have some goat for dinner. And you're like, no, I'm good. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's like culturally, anyway. How, how do you how do you find being able to just switch off from that? Um, it depends. Like it's very easy to watch. I find anyway to watch a nature documentary and see it and think, oh, it all happens over there. Mm. You know, you're disconnected from it. It's like the same reason you can go into a supermarket and you can see animals in packets. So you're disconnected from what those things are. And then when you watch it happen in real life, you, you get a whole new level of appreciation for it. It's very often why you'll see whole cars of tourists like literally turning away from watching a lion hunting or something. They just don't want to see that. And it is horrible. Is, really... is there one that s sticks in your mind that you can recall? I, I mean, that you're allowed to I had, not disclose? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll keep the details brief because I, I probably can't talk about it in detail just yet. But I was filming... Um, wild dogs, African wild dogs, and brutal. And they—they they are the most brutal. They are amazing animals, but my god, they're fucking savages. Packs. And they kill. They'll kill. They'll go out on a hunt in the morning, and they'll nail something. They'll go out in the evening, and they'll nail something. They're incredible. They're like the most efficient hunters you get. They're incredible. But nine times out of ten, they'll catch something, kill it pretty quickly. Sometimes it lasts a little bit longer. And for some reason, I was always able to film it and watch it and kind of be okay with it. One time, it caught me and it hit me. And it's the only time in my whole career that I have fully lost it. And I was trying to film and I, I just couldn't. I literally burst into tears and was like so affected by this. And it was like, oh my God, how many animals have I seen kill other animals? And I've never had a problem. I've, been, I've watched it time and was time there, and time Was there again. a reason that that one got you? I, I don't know why. I think it. I saw the look in its eyes and I was like, oh my God, that is a living soul. It's like, help me, Sam. Literally saw that moment and I was like, oh my God, that, you know, I knew it's an animal that has feelings and is alive. But interestingly, it's a warthog, right? So that's a pig, and that's what people have in all their bacon sandwiches. Their screams are horrific. into that life, and I was like, oh my God. And it hit me so deep in the feels that I just, yeah, I couldn't even function. I couldn't even touch the camera. And it's the only time it's ever happened. And it's crazy to think back on, because now I'm like, why did that happen? So I remember having a similar experience with, you say warthog, but I, when I was in one of the communities in the Amazon, they, they like dragged in a pig into like a it was all the communities are like open like open plan should we say there's no walls or anything um but they had one section of like the house that was like blacked off so you mm -hmm. could see there was nothing you couldn't see inside of it and at one moment because I, I was living next door to them i could see across all the whole time their family what they're up to playing blah, blah blah and at one moment they pulled a pig in there that scream haunts me man and That's then like they pulled the pig inside in the room and it was just like yeah, it was horrific. Yeah. And this is the thing that you were saying, that Sam was saying, is just how we're just disconnected from it. We, this is happening here in the UK. It's happening all over the world, but we're just not connected to hearing the sounds and everything. And Yeah. yeah and I guess 
it's different when people will have it for a necess necessity as well. If you're out in these places, like it's definitely in the Amazon, I don't have any judgment with it because it's a need to live, to sustain your body, etc. But in this Western society we live in, there's no need to have the foods anymore because we can just choose the option of a bean burger or a risotto, whatever it might be, rather than, you know, the bean, the, the meat one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think Pitched it's also choir, different like, when you compare it I with know the... I went to the zoo and everything, but... Yeah, yeah no, I want to see a zoo. This, this anecdote <laughs> is going to pay off. So this is right. a gelada. Brilliant. Um, you've Lovely. seen them in the wild, I'm guessing. I actually don't think I have. Uh, so Amanda got a new camera and she was zoomed in on this gelada's face. They look aggressive. They do. Yeah. They look terrifying. And then she zoomed out. Right. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what it looks like. Wow, can I take a closer That is a gelada baboon ejaculating into his own hand. <laughs> and then he ate it. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Circular economy, if you ask me. <laughs> wow. What an image. I don't mean to trivialise your... Uh, <laughs> Look at his really when, into you know that, when you know that bit of the story, and yeah. then you zoom back, you, you pan back to that one. That's just pre... <laughs> <laughs> it's so much better telling it that way around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there was a good two dozen people just watching a bunch of kids and, and everyone was like, like just... Man, what's he doing? <laughs> yeah, how do you explain and that as a parent? Who's like In the zoo. A 13 and above is like... Uh, uh, so it, As a parent, like, how do you explain that? I don't know. I don't know. You wouldn't. You would just be like, let's move on, kids. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, over there, there's another monkey. Yeah. Doing monkey stuff. Up to monkey business. When Daddy Bear loves... <laughs> Loves himself. <laughs> when he's also Daddy a bit Bear peckish. keeps rubbing himself until some magic comes out. Magic. Yeah. It is magic. It is magic. Right. I, I have to say apologies to you two and for the audience of me just flip-flopping back and forth between the two of you because we've barely scratched the surface. Barely. Um, so how do, how, do, how do people follow you guys? Because we are going to get you back on, both of you. Mark? Tell the, tell the good people. Well, hit that thumbs, like, subscribe, share to all your friends. Um, this guy's been on the internet. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Work. Especially with the accent, just been trying to nail that one. Um, no, yes, yeah, so you can find me. I really only use Instagram, but rarely these days, uh, which is just Mark Fox Photo. And then my website as well, markfoxphoto.com. Hell yeah. And hopefully going to be having some trips further down the line. Yeah, yeah, there's going to be all sorts of different things. I've, I've come, come to grow into, because I've done a lot of work with the indigenous communities and how, like, projects that, conservation projects or tourism or whatever, um, but I would like to do tours and go into that where I actually bring people out myself because I've gone so far in the Amazon sections, I just know where it's going to be good. Yeah. So, um, Dude, these, these lot are going to be the first to hear about it. Don't worry about that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So yeah. basically, that's probably the next big thing aside from all the other projects I'm not going to talk about just yet. Fucking A, man. It's <laughs> very exciting. And Sam, do you like being followed? Do you uh, use your internet for much anymore? I do. Um... Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, Instagram is Sam's Natural Habitat, and I use it um, as much as I can. I, I can't talk about a lot of the work I do for a few years, but like, so my Instagram's almost like three years in the past. But like, I'm posting stuff I did ages ago, and I see people, guys just going into COVID. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've just hit well, lockdown, lockdown too on my Instagram. Guys, I just had my first test. Yeah. That was a brutal period, yeah. man. Oh isolation um so i do use it and i do post what i can on there and i've got a series that i've been involved with a lot coming out on september 13th which is really cool so that may or may not have happened i guess by the time this comes out so what series out is it week monday so you can if oh, it's right. got time so stuff, you can... september 13th disney plus there is a show i've been working on a lot called animals up close um which the trailer's out there now, so it's free to talk about. So it's going to be great. Um, something I'm super proud of, and it's like kind of a cutting edge wildlife presenter series with conservation elements and something I have loved working on. So that's coming Thank out you. soon, which is going to be cool. And as and when there are clips available, I'll be posting them and they'll be online as well. So that's going to be cool. And yeah, Instagram's kind of the only thing I use now. I actually took my website down the other day because I couldn't maintain it enough. 
And I was like, really? I went on it, and I was like, wow, this is literally from 2014. You know what? <laughs> I just gonna delete the domain. Revamp. And I did. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get that revamp in there. All right, everyone. Well, thank you very much for listening. Mark, thanks for coming all the way from Ecuador. Thanks for having me. Sam, thanks for coming from wherever you came from today. Dorset. Dorset. But, uh, yeah, thanks very much. Have a lovely evening or afternoon or morning. Ta-ta for now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.